fitness, nutrition, sleep, longevity, performance, fat loss, and all the keys to a life of health, happiness, and success. I'm Jed Zimmer, your host, and welcome to The Health Project. We're back again, guys, for episode 14 tonight of The Health Project, where I was lucky enough to interview Mark Bell, the powerlifting legend. Mark is one of the strongest men to compete in the sport of powerlifting, and if you're a fitness enthusiast, just like the majority of my listeners will be, the name Mark Bell will certainly come to mind, as he has been recognising the top 100 health and fitness influencers for the past decade. On top of his powerlifting career, he's also dabbled in bodybuilding, but most notably turned into a successful millionaire entrepreneur through his investment into the Slingshot, which is a device in which is used to maintain proper bench rest form. We're about to cover everything from building strength, size, intermittent fasting, and the training split that Mark used throughout his career. It's a ripper, guys, so please do enjoy the show. Here it is. All right, Mark, let's begin with strength, which is a very popular topic for all fitness enthusiasts out there. So when it comes to the key and the basics to building strength. What are, what are the main principles that you look for? The, the, the key is the, understand, the understanding of that it's going to take a, a long time. Mm. And what I mean by that is um, you, can, you can gain some strength um, very, very easily and very rapidly um, just through some simple exercise. Mm. Uh, however, to to really kind of maximize your strength, that is what's going to take a long time. That is certainly not anything that can be cultivated overnight. And it takes, um, it takes some precision, you know, mm-hmm. to, to go from being skinny to looking like you lift a little bit isn't that hard. Yeah. But to go from looking like you lift to looking like a bodybuilder mm. <laughs> can be very difficult, you know? Mm. So you get kind of those newbie gains, and so you can gain some strength pretty quickly by simply just exercising and utilizing some resistance training. Yeah. And there doesn't really have to be anything all that complicated or complex right. until you start to get to a, a, a each person's going to have their own kind of limitations. And when you start mm. to get to those plateaus, that's when you're going to have to start to figure out, okay, you know, maybe it would make more sense for me to sleep a little bit more. Maybe it'd make more sense for me to uh, gain some size and and things like that. So I think the number one key to, or I'm not, not, sorry, not the number one key, probably the most important thing to understand strength in general is just a simple fact that if you want to be very, very strong, Mm. you want to one day, um, be mentioned with other great like lifters and stuff. You just have to understand a, that's going to take a really long time. And then B, what's your level of commitment going to look like? Because you can gain, you can get really, really strong in a court in the course of a year or two years. If your commitment level, if your interest level is through the roof Mm. and you're really dedicated to it and you're doing everything in a comprehensive way, and one of the fastest things, one of the fastest ways to get strong is to simply uh, gain body weight. But remember what I said at first is that this is not a sprint. Yep. This is the long game. So if you chose to gain 100 pounds of body fat, then you just made a giant mistake mm. that you might not be able to go back on because you might be too unhealthy to continue to pursue what you want to pursue. So once your body weight starts to interrupt your sleep, 
now we have a lot of problems because your sleep is going to uh, be, be very, very advantageous with your, with your exercise. So the general principles of strength are, are super simple. We need to lift some weights. Mm. We need to recover from those weights. So occasionally we need like days off. Yep. Um, we need to sleep mm. and uh, we need, we need enough food for, you know, to supply us with the recovery that's necessary. And obviously kind of goes without saying, you need to hydrate, you need to drink water and mm. things like that. Get some good, get some salt. And uh, I just want to ask that. when it comes to, when it comes to strength and, and muscle mass, is this something, do they, do these two sort of occur simultaneously or do you have to sort of um, specify each individual goal specifically? No, in, under normal circumstances, most people will gain size from a increasing the intensity of the exercise mm. and b increasing the time under tension of the exercise. Oh. The thing that's great about powerlifting and strength training when you start doing sets of three and sets of five um, is that it takes a while to do mm. a set of three or a set of five because your reps should dictate the amount of weight that you use. So for example, um, I'm not trying to always do like a five rep max or a three mm. rep max or a one rep max. However, it should be fairly difficult. So the intensity level for a set of three is going to be much higher because the amount of weight that I'm going to use is going to be significantly greater than if I was doing a set of 20. Right. If I was to do a set of 20, I might use 225. If I was to do a set of three, I might use 405. Mm. So we have the intensity is high. And the time under tension is going to be pretty good too, because I most likely am going to move the 405 um, in, in, in a fairly slow fashion, just because it's too heavy for me to move any faster with it. So right. now there's some athletes on occasion, especially like a lot of the Russian lifters, uh, a lot of the Eastern block lifters, they use a lot of singles in their training. Yep. Singles don't normally elicit the same response in terms of hypertrophy. Mm. And so therefore, and, and those guys do it specifically because they're not trying to get into the next weight class. They're trying to stay in a specific weight class. Right. So they use more like five sets of one, six sets of one, tenths to one. And they're really trying to be, they're trying to consistently teach their body how to lift better and not mm. necessarily, not necessarily just how to lift more. Mm. So they're after like neurological efficiency, trying to have their nervous system, uh, which all powerlifters are after, but it's just less of a concern when, right. you're, when, when you're getting big. Mm. Um, so in the case of, of some of those athletes that, or, or athletes that just struggle to gain size off the lower rep range, they might have to do a combination of things. And that's where the West side barbell method comes in. That's where, you know, conjugate system mm. comes in where you're constantly rotating exercises around. But in addition to that, you have the first half an hour. I mean, this is super simple to, for anyone to grasp. First 30 minutes of your exercise is geared towards strength. Yep. Second 30 minutes of your exercise is geared towards muscle mass. Right. And that's what I was going to touch on. There you go. Yep. yep. Um, well, that, that, that's right. So I was going to ask for strength athletes, is it important to, you know, focus on the high reps game, you know, your typical eight to 12 your bodybuilding approach. And you just covered that there. Where do yeah, here's, let me, let me just explain a little further on, on why that's important. So it's important to gain muscle mass because 
um, a larger muscle or a larger body is typically going to be a stronger body. A lot of times you just end up with, um, you end up with some leverage advantages. One way to gain leverage advantage is to gain body weight is to gain body fat. Even Mm. a combination of fat and muscle um, is actually probably the most optimal because if you notice most of the powerlifters, they got a little cushion on them. You know, there are the guys out there with the small waist and they got veins in their stomachs and stuff and they're still super strong. Mm. So I'm not saying that it can't be done that way, but for most individuals, you know, that's usually like a genetic anomaly. You know, that's, that's probably representing like the 2% yeah. of powerlifters. Most of the time they're going to have a, a combination of some body fat and, uh, mm. and muscle, but the, the real benefit of the bodybuilding style stuff is in my opinion, is the mental side of things. So the bodybuilding, when you're trying to, when you're trying to do a max set of one, you are thinking about the technique and the form a little bit. You're also kind of thinking about like not dying. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, You're just kind of like, you know, that's some of the stuff that's going through your mind. Like, wow, this is, this is starting to get really heavy, man. Like this is going to be tough. And you do instruct yourself like, Hey, I got to breathe, you know, a certain way, Mm. but you can't really practice the lift. When you're doing three sets of 10, like let's just say I was to give you a workout, I'd say, yeah. hey, Ed, you know, here's what you're going to do, man. I want you to, for the next three weeks, I want you to do three sets of three on your squat. Yeah. When you're done with your three sets of three, um, I want you to do three sets of 10 on your squat. So you do three sets of three and, um, you know, that would be a certain, a certain amount of weight. You would use a, a good amount of weight. But when you do your three sets of 10, we would reduce the weight a lot. And when you did your three sets of 10, I'd say, Jed, I want you to, to get a good feel of right. where your feet are, of yeah. how far your feet are pointed out. Mm. Um, are, do you have, are you lined up, uh, you know, evenly mm. and how's your left leg feel? How's your right leg feel? Now, these are all things you can think about mm. while you're doing your set. Hey, do I have equal pressure on both legs? Like good luck trying to do that with a max rep, right? Like that's going to be too, too much to think about. So the mind muscle connection I think is just as important as hitting right. those big heavy weights. And, and as you can imagine, when you're hitting a heavy single, mm. there's really not a lot of mind muscle connection because mm. it's, it's, it's a little bit more of an expression. It's a test of your strength. It's not yeah. necessarily the building of your strength. I just want to clarify. So in this, so when it comes to the, the single training session, you are sticking to the same exercises. So for instance, you lift heavy, it might be a squat, it might be a bench press. And then when you do go towards the, you know, your more bodybuilding approach, you still stick with that, that, that movement. Um, it's just the higher reps. Absolutely. That is the easiest way. So to give you another example, let's just say it was deadlifting. So mm. if it was deadlifting, I may have you switch the exercise up a little bit. You might switch to a stiff leg deadlift. Mm. Maybe every other week I have you do deadlift and then I follow it with a stiff leg deadlift. Um, and then the next week I do a deadlift and have yeah. you follow it up with a bent over row. Mm. And then same thing in the squat. Maybe, maybe I have you work up to something pretty heavy in the squat. And then maybe your sets of 10 are with your heels elevated where you're doing an Olympic style squat. We're going down all the way. And then maybe the next week after that, I, I switch you over into doing pause squats, you know, just some small variation yeah, kind of in there, but I'm a huge proponent of something that I call a secondary barbell movement. Yep. And the secondary barbell movement is the same as the first movement, just done slightly differently. In the case of the bench press, you might do a three rep max on the bench press, and then you might go with a closer grip 
mm. and um, do three sets of 10, you know, things like that. I would consider that a secondary barbell movement. And where do isolation exercises fit in the equation for you? Um, do, they have their, do they have their place when it comes to powerlifting and strength building? Absolutely. So if we go back to, so, so let me just explain. There's, there's three ways. There's, there's three kind of main ways to increase strength. Mm. One is through max effort type of work because that, for lack of a better term or lack of a better analogy, that is working the central nervous system. Yep. There is the repetition effort method, and that is kind of like AKA the bodybuilding method. Mm. That's going to help us get bigger. Remember what I said earlier? Yep. A larger muscle is going to be a stronger muscle. Mm. And then the uh, last component of it is – is going to be the speed at which you lift, oh. you know, trying to be explosive. Like Louis Simmons has a lot of great literature on this, the dynamic effort method. He talks about, you know, using, you know, 50% of your max and using bands and stuff like that. And you can, you could try some of those things, but you can also just, you can kind of, um, you can kind of just cut to the chase and, and make it super simple. It's like, you know what, sometimes you're going to move kind of slow because the weights are going to be heavier or because that's what the protocol calls for. But you should have some part of your training should be devoted to explosive movement. Mm. Um, you should be trying to lift explosively. Now, what I want to follow that up with saying, this is really interesting to me, is that a lot of the people that I know that exhibit really, really good control with the weights, Mike O'Hearn uh, comes to mind, a longtime bodybuilder, Yep. Mike O'Hearn, I've seen him squat, you know, five plates and he like sits on this box that's really low mm. for I think like 10 seconds and then he yep. explodes up. My, my point there is that I know a lot of athletes are like that. I know a lot of athletes like a Jay Cutler as well, where they've spent a lot of time lifting with a lot of control, right? Mm. And because they spent that time lifting slowly, for them to lift explosively, is no matter it's it's not a problem for them at all mm. and because they're manhandling those other weights if mm. that makes any sense so absolutely yeah if i said to you jed you know take um you know 100 kilos and i want you to take 10 seconds on the way down mm. well if you had uh you know if you had 80 kilos on there it wouldn't be any problem for you to move that super explosively since you already exhibited yeah. that a hundred kilos is so easy for you to move in such as in a slow and super controlled fashion. So mm. it can be a little confusing because you're like, wait, well, which one should I do? Mm. And the answer is the answer is both. It, yeah. It's a good idea to during the times when you're using a lot of the repetition effort method, mm. it's a great idea to utilize a lot of tempo training, a lot of slower, more controlled just the way bodybuilders train bodybuilders they don't always lock everything out all the time mm. they keep a lot of tension on the muscles and that's going to keep your your muscles strong but it's mm. also not going to flare up your ligaments and tendons and things like that and so those those are the three way main three main ways of getting stronger remember we, what i said is max effort work mm. we have the repetition effort method and then we have speed work Right. You just touched on the recovery side of things there. How are you tracking recovery? I know for me, when I do lift heavy, it's quite taxing on my nervous system. Um, I track heart rate variability, things like that. Do you, have you got any measures like this or it's as simple as sort of gauging how your body feels? It's, you know, it's fantastic to be able to really actually physically track stuff. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't up until a few years ago um, that you, you couldn't really track stuff the way that you could now. And 
thanks to uh, a friend of mine, Joel Jamison. He's kind of the, the front runner on um, heart rate variability. He's one of the guys that, that really popularized it. And he, he happens to be a friend of mine. So mm. I'm able to communicate with some really high level people and that, that's super effective. But during my power to think career, um, I didn't know any of this stuff and I wasn't aware of it. And I wasn't necessarily uh, really tracking the recovery per se. However, I would come into the gym and I'd say, holy shit, <laughs> I am really worked from yeah. you know, previous workouts. And so I had to identify one of the big, one of the big no-nos for me years ago was lifting three days in a row. Mm. It really wasn't, it really wasn't possible. Now the third day could be, you know, uh, it could be, you know, some easy type of exercise. Like let's say, uh, let's say like some you know, shoulder work, some well, smaller, what, smaller yeah, muscle groups, you know, just on that, what would a typical split look like for you? So let's just say Monday, um, let's, let's just go through a week and what it might mm-hmm. look like. Yeah. So in, in my power to think career, and you can look up a lot of this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Anybody wants to kind of check some of this stuff out. A lot of it's on markbell.com. I have some of the old workouts are up there. Um, but basically I did a four, a four day a week training split and, um, it would be Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday Mm. during the week was max effort work. Mm. And on the weekend was a speed work. So I would have, um, and and the two complemented each other a ton. So I would have on Tuesday, let's say it would be max effort squat. Mm. And again, keep in mind, I did the conjugate system, so I might use a safety squat bar. I might use a cambered bar. But even if you don't have different bars, there's still a lot of creative ways. You can, you can go from doing a front squat to a regular squat. Mm. You could do a box squat. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do. And every three or four weeks, you can even just completely remove the max effort work and just do like a ton of lunges or something just to give your body a break uh, from all that. But anyway, Tuesday would be max effort lower body Thursday would be max effort upper body Saturday would be dynamic effort lower body which complemented the Tuesday workout Mm. and then um, Sunday would be the dynamic effort bench workout and that complemented the max effort work that I did on Thursday now here's a a really important piece of the puzzle the workouts were complementary of each other so you had to be careful that you didn't overdo one or the other because mm. then it would be conflicting. Yeah. And I want to complement each other. This day is for strength, and this day I'm going to lift the heaviest amount of weight. I call it the intent of the day. This is the intent of this day. Yeah. On this other day, this is a day where I'm going to move fast, and not only am I going to move fast, but this is also an opportunity to um, use this day as restoration, use this day as recovery. There you go. So, so if I walk into that day and it feels like I've gotten the crap beaten out, beaten out of me mm. from previous workouts, I can also say, okay, the main intent of the day was to move fast. But you know what? It's not in the cards to move fast today because your wrist hurts, mm. your, your knee hurts, or your, uh, your elbows are dying. So let's just – that's great that that was the intent of the day, but we're not going to be able to even come mm. close to accomplishing – the way that we need to accomplish it. So let's just do some dumbbells. Let's have some fun. And then I would rely on training partners and I'd go over to somebody and say, Hey, what do you want to do today? And they say, ah, you know, my elbows are beat up. And I say, yeah, me too. Like, 
but we got to do something, you know, we can't just leave and go to a buffet or whatever. So, you know, we would, uh, we'd say, Hey, let's do, let's do four sets of 10 of incline dumbbell bench. And then let's do four sets of 10 of flat. And then we'll do a bunch of stuff for our triceps and stuff. And the way that we would look at it is if our elbows hurt, we'd say, what are some things that we can do to address it? You know, so then we might, we might end up stretching. We might end up um, just trying to pump a lot of blood into that area, mm. but it wasn't like, Hey, let's, let's do stuff to set ourselves further back. Yeah, yeah. It was, how do we progress forward? And so sometimes we were like, Hey, you know what? We're not really training our biceps that much. And maybe that's why our elbows hurt so much. Mm. We're not really training our rotator cuffs that much. Maybe that's why our elbows hurt so much. And so yeah. We would do a lot of that stuff to make sure that we were taking care of our bodies. Would you change now knowing what you know now, would you change anything um, or would there be more focus on, yeah, you know, there's all these hacks out there now, you know, sauna, cold yeah. genesis, things like this, or is it still yeah. sleep um, to you? It's just the, you know, it's the foundation of it all. Yeah. You know, I, I wear like an aura ring nowadays and I have, I track a bunch of stuff, but I don't think any of that would have really truly made that big of a difference. Yeah. Um, what what I what I would say though is that where those things can come in handy, but I don't even think you necessarily need that. You just need good training partners, mm. um, which is that's hard to find. That's hard to come by. It's hard. Like people, you know, it's it's tough to consistently have somebody. But what you really need is you need someone that pulls you back every once in a while. Mm. And if you don't have that, then you have to have the understanding of, and not to be like negative, but if two or three weeks in a row have gone good, then, you know, something bad is probably on its way. You know, it's yeah. like, that just happens. You know, it's like, if, if you, if, if you, if Jed, if you, if you pull a deadlifted, um, you know, a new, a new personal best on a deadlift by 20 pounds and you ask me, Hey, should I go up? I would say no. Even if you smoked it, because mm. I know that like there's, a, let's, let's say that you're training for a competition, right? Yeah. If you're training for a competition, I'd say no way. Mm. There's no reason. Let Jed, let's save that for the platform, dude. Like, remember you told me you want to do a 500 pound deadlift. Well, let's, let's do that on the platform. Let's do it in the competition itself. Now, if, if, um, if we're just in the middle of some random training and you smash a 490 pound deadlift and it's very clear that you can do 500, we may, we may roll the dice. But my, my point here is, is that, you know, take, take your advancements and, 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 um, freaking lock them up, you know, yeah. like, like, hold, like, hold on to them. Don't set yourself backwards. Try not to ever do anything mm. that sets yourself backwards. And you can even take the same approach into your nutrition. Mm. So people have these like cheat days or cheat meals and stuff like that. And those are fine. And those are great. I would just say, don't cheat so much that you set yourself backwards. Like mm. if, if you gained, if you gained two pounds, like I don't think that's a huge deal, mm. but if you gained like six pounds, I, I think that that's, mm. you know, now, now you got to dig yourself out of that hole because you ate pizza and ice cream for the entire day. Yeah. Next three days, you have to figure out a way to almost like punish yourself. Mm. And that's not a great, that's not a great plan. So in anything that you're doing, try to figure out ways of not setting yourself backwards. And my main point of all this is that I, I you asked if uh, I would change anything. And the one thing that I think is important to change is people are like, listen to your body, listen to your body, go by how you feel. And I'm saying that you shouldn't do that because as an athlete and as somebody that is hardened and somebody that is very much excited mm. to 
attack the day every single day. Um, I, I'm going to always lie to myself. Always. I'm always going to lie to myself. I'm always going to say, you know what? Fucking go for it, dude. Like load that bar up to 900 pounds. It's going to feel great. Yeah. Mm. So I, I, I would say, you know, more so than listen to your body, I would listen to a plan. Yeah. I would have, I would have an approach and have an approach that's uh, reasonable. Mm. Yeah, you touched on nutrition a little bit. That's something uh, I was just looking at your shirt there. I absolutely love it. It's um, got me laughing. What's the, um, where, where's nutrition fit, in, fit into the philosophy of all this? You know, people, people have got the view when it comes to building strength and size that, you know, carbohydrates are necessary. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think you've proven, proven else. I would say, you know, again, if we go back to the beginning here about gaining size, you know, um, most people probably, uh, could, could really benefit from utilizing some carbohydrates to gain a certain amount of size, right. um, and, and to hold that weight and to also have some like pressure during your training sessions, like where you, you want that extra fluid on your body a little bit. Mm-hmm. to be able to lift maximal weights and so um carbohydrates can be <clears throat> can be very very beneficial but carbohydrates um don't have to it doesn't necessarily have to be donuts you know i, I don't i don't think i don't think that donuts and pizza are going to be are, are going to be your best bet in the long run i think I think here and there, uh, periodically, I think absolutely. I think that's the fun of power. The thing is that you get to eat some of that stuff here and there, but also recognize that our metabolism is not really designed for those things. And if you do things like that too often. So what, 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 what carbs are you sort of, if you, if you're going to, you know, consume carbs at one, are you consuming it pre pre pre-workout, post-workout? Um, and also what's it look like? Is it sweet potato, white rice? What kind yeah, very, very simple stuff um, that I did during my powerlifting career. Um, I, I've always been meat-based, so yeah. that was my forms of protein and fat usually. And then, you know, simple supplementation. You know, back then I was kind of big on like, you know, the fish oil and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I don't know how beneficial it really is, but those are just some of the things that I did. Yeah. I've always been a proponent of protein powder. Yeah. In terms of carbohydrates, um, it's just simple stuff. You have complex carbohydrates. You got rice, you got mm-hmm. potatoes. Um, and then even like, even something like a burrito, I think is fair game. Mm-hmm. Like as a lifter, you really are trying to go for things that are protein packed. Yep. So, you know, how do you get something that's protein packed? I would even eat sandwiches sometimes. Like people are very, very much against like gluten and stuff like that. And I don't think you need to be a tyrant about it. Right. It, but it all, but it does it very highly dependent on, on the physique that you want as well. Yeah. So if okay. you don't mind having a little chub on you, then, then you might be able to go for it a little bit more. So this does differ. If someone's goal is fat loss, um, you know, Charles Polycon, I was a follower of, he was, you know, you, no one deserves their carbs unless they're under a certain body. I think he said, I can't remember if it was 10%, 10 or what, 10%. I think it was, I think it was like 10%. Yeah. 10%, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of body fat percentage, um, if, if that is your goal, is the reduction of carbs more important than? If, if, uh, if body fat percentage is your goal, then you're going to have to figure out what's the best way for you to put a little bit of a limit 
on the overall amount of food that you eat. For me, it's always been low carb style, you yep. know, uh, you know, eating. And even during my powerlifting career, even at some of my strongest moments, I utilized um, ketogenic style diets and stuff like that. But I also only used it for periods of time, you know, mm -hmm. so like it would be, you know, after I competed in a powerlifting meet, I would get in better shape. I would rebuild. I'd start to build that muscle back or I'd start to uh, lose body fat. I'd start to do what I call recompensate. You know, I, I would recomposition my body. I would try to get my body fat percentage a little bit better. So let's say that, you know, at one point at 270, 270 pounds, let's say that I was, you know, 20% body fat. Well, the goal a year from that point would be to be 270 and be 18% body fat. Mm. And then the next year be 270 and be 16, you know, things like that, you know, and start, mm. and I, I was able to achieve some of that. I was able to be 295, 300 pounds with, you know, a little bit of line, a little bit of lines, Not, nothing like bodybuilding abs or anything like that, but yeah my stomach wasn't protruding, you know, outward, you know, real significantly. I mean, I was, I was fat. I had body fat on me. Yeah. But anyway, my whole, I'll tie this all together here is that I think it's for a power lifter. And if you want to do your absolute best, I think it makes sense to gain size as you're going into powerlifting meets, mm. maybe not so much size that it bumps you up to the next weight class, but be as big, fill out that weight class. I don't think losing weight, Going into a powerlifting contest is advantageous. Um, I don't want to say ever, yeah, because it could you could break record that way, or you could um, be more competitive that way. Yeah. But I do think that I see too many people doing that for their first competition, right? And most of the time, and it doesn't matter what lifter you're talking about. You could be talking about the cream of the crop. You could be talking about a Dan Green, or, or um, you know, or or uh, Larry Wheels or whomever. Mm any of these people, they'd be better off not losing weight. They would always perform better, uh, having been heavier, yeah. um, even, even at the weigh in versus, you know, what they weighed on, on game day. But mm. I would say it's always a good idea. It will always benefit you to clean up your diet because again, in the long run, you may be able to be healthier. Mm. So even if you don't have a super clean diet in your power thing prep, and you eat some donuts and eat some junk here and there. I don't think that's hugely problematic, mm. but I think over time you should work on cleaning some of that up and, sure. and just be, be reasonable with it. You know, eat a little bit here and there to get the extra calories, you know, a uh, little bit of junk here and there to get the extra calories, but don't be so reckless with it that you make yourself diabetic, pre-diabetic, or mm. you have sleep what? apnea. I mean, so many of these athletes have sleep apnea, you know, yep. things like that. What would, it, what would a general day of eating nowadays look, for, look like for you? Right now, I pretty much just eat meat. Mm. You know, it's uh, I'm on a carnivore style diet, yeah. and uh, that's what I've been doing for for quite some time. And mm. I've been, you know, I've been kind of switching back and forth between a keto diet and a, yeah. you know, meat based diet. But basically, you know, if I if I was to eat breakfast, it might be some eggs and some bacon. Um, sometimes I just fast through mm. breakfast, and I don't eat until eleven, or sometimes all the way until about two, kind of right. depending on the yeah. day. Oh, and, sorry to butt in. Um, and and what's the purpose behind? First of all, are you you know are you fasting? You get into a ketogenic state. Are you doing it for autophagy benefits? Um, and also the carnivore diet. What's mm -hmm. what's the um the theory behind this? Yeah. So the reason the reason why I personally use fasting is just to partition off the calories. Um, I eat. Go, I'm going to eat more food later on in the day. 
And um, for, for me, I don't really care that much about food yeah. in, in the morning. Uh, I tend to care about it more at night and uh, I tend to enjoy it more at night. I, I sit down with my family at night. I sometimes sit down in front of the TV and that's kind of like when I want to eat. It's like yeah. the day, my day is over with. So for me, it works out great because I don't normally like to do any eating until exercise is done and work is done. You know, exercise is done, work's done. And now I can, now I can start to have some, some meals and, and, and the day, the day slows down, you know? And so that's the way I, that's the way I typically like to do it. And I don't fast for any other reason other than just to kind of partition off the food mm. until later in the day. But, you know, it does have positive impact on, you know, your blood glucose. It's got some positive impacts on your heart. It has some positive impacts on, uh, as you mentioned, you know, regeneration of your cells and, and things like that. And so that's great to get some of that benefit as well, but I, I don't necessarily do it for that. I do it more. I would say, I, I would say most of the stuff that I do is heavily driven in like aesthetics. You know, I yeah. just trying to, to be leaner, trying to be in a little bit better shape. And so, mm -hmm. um, that's usually why I utilize fasting. And then anyone that hasn't fasted before, what I usually suggest is just start out by, um, not eating about two hours before you go to bed and or try to skip breakfast then maybe you know marry those two things together yeah stop eating two hours before bed skip your breakfast and now you ended up with you know a good 16 or 12 or 14 hours of, of fasting those numbers i don't think matter a ton everybody mm -hmm. makes a big deal about the 18 and the 20 and the um I think it's insignificant, you know, um, what I have found to be something that can, that can be helpful, especially amongst guys that like to eat yeah. is to just say, you know what, man, I'm just going to eat for about four hours. And <laughs> at first you might take that four hours as like, I'm going to eat for four hours straight on that one. Yeah. <laughs> after, after a while, that'll, that allure will, will, it'll, it'll slow down and, and, I mean, you only do that for a few days and then yeah. you're going to be like, you'll kind of be over it. There's only so much you can pack in into a four hour eating window. But what's great about the eating window is that you don't really need a, I don't want to say you don't need a diet because you always need, especially for people that have been heavy, you always need some sort of restriction. Yeah. But I would totally fine to be what, what I would call meat based. Yeah. So be meat based, have um, any form of meat that you want have some eggs and if you wanted to have fruit if you wanted to have um vegetables if you wanted to have a, a potato if you want to have rice you can mix in any of these things and even if you wanted to top your night off with something sweet mm -hmm. which i like to do quite a bit um you you could have like a little bit of ice cream or something oh, like okay kind of end the day because it's like you only ate for four hours and mm -hmm. it's just a matter of kind of piecing it together and being reasonable you know i don't there's usually not room, no matter how much exercise you do, yep. there's usually not room for you to eat an entire pizza. There's usually mm. not room for you to eat a whole pint of Ben and Jerry's, but is there room for you to have a couple scoops of vanilla ice cream? Probably, you know, if, you, yeah. if you're exercising correctly and you're working hard. And also too, if it, it depends on how much you care about, yeah. you know, the little extra bit of chub that you might have on yourself, yeah. you know? So yeah, have you, those, those are all factors in there. Do you experiment with training at all in a fasted state? Um, and is this something that can be beneficial 
I know, you know, when it comes to powerlifting, um, I've often wondered, you know, would this be... I, I'm extremely simple and straightforward. You know, right. like I, I, I work out all the time without without eating, but, mm. um, you know, I, I, I don't... I don't sit around and like contemplate it a ton. I, I, I just work out without food and, mm. and it feels, I feel fine. Um, one thing I would say again, is like, if you're not used to fasting, you know, be, be a little cautious with it. And also you may want to get yourself a little bit more um, used to mm. not eating as much carbohydrate. Cause my worry here is that your blood glucose will be shifting up and down. And, yeah. and if you do get yourself in a compromised state, please just eat, you know, like you're not, you're not fasting for the sake of mankind. So, <clears throat> you know, if you do get yourself feeling a little weird, feeling dizzy, just eat, you know, I, I've, I've been in workouts before and I've had to abandon what I was doing right. and I've had to just drink a Gatorade. You know, I, I've learned later on that I didn't really need the Gatorade. I just needed salt more than anything. So yeah, that could be your first go-to, but sometimes you do need that sugar, you know, sometimes your body and, and for a lot of people that are listening, it's, there's going to be this big transition, you know, take it from me. I've been somebody that have transitioned from, you know, squatting a thousand eighty now into like running these hills out. I'm out on the beach right now and, and there's <clears throat> these mountainous hills out here that are, that are treacherous. And, and it, this has all been a, you know, progression for me. It's all taken a, uh, a, a very long time, but, just, I just want to finish out by saying, because you were talking about the diet and the specifics of the diet. So let me just kind of give you a day. So the day would start off with like, if I was to eat breakfast, it would start off with eggs. Yep. If it's, I had to fast, I would probably just have some coffee, some water, things like that. Lunchtime would be maybe a hamburger. I may have cheese on it if I'm eating cheese at the moment at that time. And then, you know, the last meal of the day, and I, I don't mind fasting like in the middle of the day either, you know, so I may, fa I may not eat for five hours mm. and I don't really necessarily just consider it fasting. I just kind of think like, Hey, I'm just not eating for a few hours. You know, it's not a, it's not a huge deal, but normally I like to try to keep that eating window a little tighter because I have noticed some uh, benefits um, in a bunch of different ways from that ma mainly being, um, from an aesthetics point of view and then i'll just finish the night off with like a ribeye a um or or a leaner maybe a leaner steak mm. depending on how much work uh was done during the day and then i finish almost every single night of the week off with uh i mix up yogurt um and uh it's just plain full fat yogurt with mm. uh some some of my protein powder that we sell slingshot protein yeah, mix that together because it's got a little bit of a sweet flavor, and mm. and I'm done. And I just start start the day over the next day. Mm. Do you now, do, when it just comes to routines and all that, do you have set you know structured morning routines, evening routines? Like you, when it actually, yeah, that, that that is one thing. When it comes to sleep, are you what? What are some steps? Are you like any supplements you take in? Mm. Um, blue light? Are you making yeah, blocking as much I, as possible? Because I've been doing this for so long, I, I try not to. I try not to have too much bullshit in my way. You know, mm. I try not to have too many levels, too yeah. many barriers, barriers of entry. And so yeah. I take zinc, I take magnesium. Yeah. Um, I take some stuff at night. If I don't remember it, I don't sweat it. I, you know, one thing that's helped block me from eating is brushing my teeth. So, you know, you, you brush your teeth. It's kind of a signal of like, Hey man, like this is, this is, this is putting like a, yeah. 
almost tape over your mouth, which I do that when I sleep as well. I can tell you about that for a second too, but mm. you know, it, it's kind of like shutting out the rest of the day. The day's over. You brushed your teeth. No, all you're going to do is drink some water. And so sometimes that helps me like during, during some, uh, dieting, but I don't really, I don't really try to gravitate towards routine. I don't, I, for me personally, I don't feel like there's anything that I need to keep me on track. Mm. And, and I think that this quarantine and what's happening at the moment is, is, is great for me because I'm always going to get into my exercise. Um, I'm always going to work hard. Like, I don't care what the hell else is going on. I'm always going to figure out a way to continue to work hard and, and to put my best foot forward, regardless of what the rest of the world is doing. And same thing with the nutrition side of it. I don't have any problems yeah. staying connected to that. I have found people that, you know, used to join me in the, in my early morning workouts and stuff. And if it wasn't for those early morning workouts, they just wouldn't work out, you know, and they, they like, they needed it. And I never really felt like I needed, I needed anything. I don't need a gym. I, I don't, I just, I don't really need, I'm going to exercise, you know, it's, it's ingrained into my system. So yeah. push-ups, squats, you know, um, I'm going to figure it out if I need to do it with a band mm. or body weight, you know, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to get it done. And it's just, again, it's just, it's, um, it's not that I'm special. It's just that it's, in, it's ingrained into me. Mm, absolutely. And it makes me, it makes me feel good and mm. it interests me. It's, it's the main thing of interest to me. So. And just lastly, the last thing I want to touch on is supplements. Is there any daily supplement, um, especially when it comes to strength and powerlifting, creatine, um, you, you've mentioned um, protein powder, or do you keep it pretty stock standard and simple? I, I think, again, I think the key to all of this is, is to stay healthy. Mm. And so sleep is a huge factor. Like if you're not sleeping well, I really highly recommend that, that you, that you work on it. I know, Stan Efforting talks about this a lot. I, I really love a lot of Stan's practices and yep. any, any lifter, you know, would benefit greatly from the vertical diet. He's got a lot of great information on that. Mm. Um, but your sleep, your sleep is huge. So if you can find something that helps you sleep, then that would be great. Like magne zinc, magnesium, like ZMA type stuff mm. is pretty effective. Melatonin is not really great. Um, it can help you with your sleep, but you don't want to have a routine of using that all the time. Um, mm. I wear, I wear these glasses, you know, that I block out the blue light. Yeah. Um, I, I even wear them when I watch TV at night, I mm. try to turn off all the lights in the house, use a candle. Um, just try to, you know, put my mind a little bit at ease. I don't necessarily have like a routine per se, yeah. but mm. when it starts to get dark, I, I shut, you know, I try to, uh, mm shut the lights off, use the candles, um, things like that. And then in terms of just straight up supplementation, yeah, I've been using like zinc and magnesium for a long time. Um, vitamin D has yep. been a huge component of, uh, I, I think vitamin D, like vitamin D3, I think it works great in conjunction with sunlight. And um, even, if, even if you're in an area where it's cold, if the sun is out, even when the sun isn't out, you get vitamin D because the sun is so powerful. Mm. It's going to go right through the clouds a little bit anyway. Mm. So any exposure that you can get to sunlight is great. Even if you have your pants on and you're, you're, you're walking down the street, you don't have shorts on. 
if as long as it's not freezing outside, you can just kind of roll up your pant leg and and walk and get a little bit of that sunlight mm-hmm. on your legs because I think the combination of the sunlight and the vitamin D that you're taking, I think they'll they'll work together really really well. Perfect. And then you know trying to get any sun exposure on your skin that you can get, like just roll up your if you have a long sleeve shirt, roll up your sleeve. If you're wearing a hat, pull the hat off. And I'm not talking in the in the blistering hot. I'm not talking about you trying to get a sunburn yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. you, you use your head on this you know but like try to try to really yeah think of think of the sun as like your supplement you know you need to go out there and you need to get your your daily dose of the sun you need to get your daily dose of your sleep mm. and then also you know one of the things that has supplemented my life really well is these 10 minute walks i think they're they're fantastic and just you know it's something to really remember is that there's not a whole lot of things that you'll do. Um, the things that you do for yourself are always going to be more important than the things that you do to yourself. So the 10 minute walk, a 10 minute squat, just sitting down in the 10 minute squat. Uh, if you have access to like a hot tub or a sauna or just mm. even like even some yin yoga, I've found to be beneficial because anytime you have an opportunity to stop, that's a really good, that's a really good opportunity to take, you mm. know, anytime, anytime you have an opportunity, someone says, Hey man, you want to go for a walk? You should be like, yep. And yep. if, if possible, you know, see if you can leave your phone behind or something like that. So you're not as stressed and you're not thinking about technology and all the different shit. And you can just yeah, it just concentrate gets- on that other person for a little mm. bit. But those, those, those are the things that I know all they're all, they're all sort of boring, but those are mm. the things that are really going to move the needle for you. And I, I, creatine you know things like that i just never really have done much with those i've had carb powders and stuff like that that have been you know a little bit beneficial especially like intra workout i'm a proponent of intra workout nutrition okay um essential amino acids i've been using those for a long time Mm. so eaa's rather than bcaa's not that bcaa's are bad i found that essential amino acids i feel are a little bit more beneficial. Yeah. Um, and then protein powder is just convenient. They, they mm. taste good nowadays. So I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I've been, a, I've been a huge fan of um, protein bars and stuff like that over the years, even though I think that they're kind of junky. Like I think they're, you could put them in a junk food category yep. in a way, but I think they're fun. You know, they, they, they taste good. Like I, I like some of the question nutrition bars and a company mm. called perfect keto they make some things that taste good. It just, it makes the diet a little easier. I'm not necessarily promoting these things and saying that these things are super healthy, but as a person who's been doing this for so long, it just makes everything a little bit easier. Oh, absolutely. It is incredibly important. I have a bit of flexibility in the diet. And Mark, I want to say a big thanks, mate. It's been awesome chatting today. Great man. It's been a great insight for myself and all the listeners. So again, a big thank you. Thank you, man. Have a, have a great rest of your day. And uh, if you need any follow-up questions or something like that, you know, let me know and yep. uh, I can help clarify.